Hello everyone, my name is Stacy Cohen and I'm a licensed genetic counselor working at the Children's Hospital of Philadelphia. Today I'll be talking to you about our recent publication entitled Caregiver Assessment of Quality of Life in Individuals with Genetic, Developmental, and Epileptic Encephalopathies. I'll begin by discussing genetic causes of epilepsy. Um, we've rapidly been able to understand more and more monogenic causes of epilepsy. And with this, there's become an increasing opportunity for precision medicine. Um, with this increasing opportunity for precision medicine, there's been increasing interest in outcome measures for such trials. And we'll be discussing those as well as the difference between subjective and objective outcome measures. Next, we'll talk about quality of life in individuals with a group of conditions called developmental and epileptic encephalopathies. This is a group of severe epilepsies often characterized by seizures that are difficult to control with associated developmental impairments. And there are neurological and non-neurological comorbidities that can occur as well. I'll discuss how we measure quality of life in this patient population, as well as the characterization of quality of life in this patient population that we were able to learn during the study. Lastly, I will discuss drivers of quality of life in this patient population. We found that the frequency of seizures and the amount of time that an individual with seizure freedom are not correlated with quality of life. Rather, days that are minimally disrupted by seizures are correlated with quality of life. Um, as I was saying, if we kind of think about genetic epilepsies overall, and their diagnostic journey. You have a child with an unexplained epilepsy. We're now able to send genetic testing clinically and identify a genetic cause in about 30% of individuals. Once we know about a particular gene, its mechanism of disease, um, we can do research in order to understand the disease mechanism through animal models, cell models, and silico analysis and other methods. The goal of understanding the disease mechanism is ultimately to drive precision medicine ther therapy. One of the common ways that we measure outcomes in such trials is the frequency of seizures. So does a particular therapy decrease the amount of seizures that an individual has? Um, however, um, as I mentioned, these individuals often have many other medical complications going on. And so it's becoming increasingly important to understand um, what other outcome measures we can look at in order to improve quality of life in patients in this population. So how did we do this? Um, in our study, our population that we targeted were parents and primary caregivers of individuals with DE or developmental and epileptic encephalopathy. We recruited participants for our study from nine different patient advocacy foundations associated with DEEs. We sent out a survey, which I'll discuss on the next slide, and collected data for approximately three months. We used a red cap survey that was piloted to take about 15 to 20 minutes to complete and had three parts. The first part was focused on demographic information. So things like age of the child, 
sex, race, ethnicity, and things in this vein. The second part had to do with medical history. We particularly wanted to focus on seizure history. Um, and we also looked at comorbidities. For both of these, we used previously adapted tools. The third part of the study, um, we used a survey tool called the QI Disability, which measures quality of life in five domains for individuals with developmental and intellectual delays and impairments. The five domains are listed on the slide here. There are 32 items in total that measure quality of life. And what did we find from our survey? In terms of the participant demographics, the average age of the affected child was about 11 years old. We had a roughly 50-50 split in males and females. We did find that our patient population was majority white and of high median income, which is a limitation of our study. The most common genetic diagnoses were SCN2A, SLC6A1, SCN1A, and KCNQ2, but we did have a broad range of genetic diagnoses in our cohort, and you can see that listed out in full on the slide here. Next, we measure seizure frequency in three different ways. So first, we measured just the frequency or how often a child was having seizures. And we saw that a majority of individuals were having seizures at least yearly, but there was quite a range within this, uh, within this measure. Next, we measured the longest period of seizure freedom. And again, you can see most individuals had been seizure-free for at least one day when they completed the survey, but almost 20% were continuing to have daily seizures. Lastly, we looked at this novel measure called minimally disrupted days. And these are days in which the amount of seizures that an individual had did not interfere with their daily routines, including things such as therapies, attending school, and interacting with family and friends. And you can see that um, around 35% almost always had days like this where their seizures did not interfere with their daily life. But a significant proportion, about 20%, almost never or rarely had days like this. So overall, we were able to measure seizure frequency from these three different angles. Seizure frequency itself, the longest period of seizure freedom, and then the days that are minimally disrupted by seizures. Next, we measured overall quality of life score um, on a score from zero to 100. You can see the distribution of overall quality of life score here, and it was found to be normally distributed. You can also appreciate that within each of the five subdomains that I mentioned earlier, there's quite a difference in the distribution of quality of life scores, um, just showing that each of the domains drives the overall quality of life differently. Overall, we found that we had a representative cohort of patients with common genetic epilepsies. We found that self-reported seizures are frequent among the cohort. The most common type of um, epilepsy classification was generalized, 
The most common seizure type was tonic-clonic seizures. Importantly, we found that quality of life in individuals in DEs in this study was lower than in other neurodevelopmental disorders. The QI disability tool has been applied to other patient populations with neurodevelopmental disorders, such as Rett syndrome, cerebral palsy, autism, and Down syndrome. And individuals in our cohort did have a lower overall score out of 100, again, just highlighting the need for precision medicine in this group. Next, we looked at the association between seizure frequency and the quality of life score. As you can see on this slide here, there was no significant correlation between seizure frequency and quality of life score, which was a surprising finding. Similarly, when we looked at the association between quality of life score and seizure freedom or longest period of seizure freedom, we again saw that there was no correlation. Um, the only measure of seizure freedom or seizure frequency that was found to be associated with quality of life was this measure minimally disrupted days. So overall, we see that quality of life correlates with minimally disrupted days or days when seizures do not interfere with daily life significantly, but it was not correlated with seizure frequency nor with seizure freedom. So overall, Importantly, we found that quality of life is correlated with this novel measure called minimally disrupted days, but not with objective measures of disease burden, such as seizure frequency or longest period of seizure freedom, which are measures that are typically used in clinical trials. Through this, we've identified what we call a quality of life gap, which is to say the quality of life in individuals with DEEs is not well assessed through objective disease measures and that minimally disrupted days may be a relevant outcome measure for future trials. To conclude, we found that quality of life only partially overlaps with objective measurements of disease severity, and it may represent an independent outcome measure in future precision medicine trials. Thank you for your attention.